We've been in a series called Soul Care, and actually, when we all started this series, this was the, the message I really was hoping at some point to get to um, this morning. Um, we've been talking about taking care of your soul, your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions. We've talked about taking a one-minute pause throughout the day, praying two different prayers in one minute. One, Father, I give you everything. I give you everyone. The second one, Father, fill my cup to overflowing. And I know many of you have been doing that. You've shared with us what God's been doing in your life as you've been pausing throughout the day and sharing the testimonies. I appreciate that so much. But it's important that we take care of our soul. Third John chapter 1, verse 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So this morning, I want to talk about wounds. I want to talk about grieving over the ungrieved areas of our lives. Question for you before we get going. Have you ever had something come up in your life that you felt like you needed to tend to, but it really wasn't a task that you was all excited about accomplishing, um, didn't really want to jump into that type of um, uh, job right now, and uh, it was something that you just conveniently forgot. How many can raise your hand and say, I, I, can, I would find several things like that in my life. I, 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 it's not that I didn't know it was there, I just chose to ignore it for a period of time. I know I've done that in my life. I, I remember we had this house and, and uh, in, we had an extra refrigerator in the garage and it was plugged into a particular outlet that would trip, was supposed to trip, if there was ever a surge or some kind of a flicker of electricity, it would trip this uh, electrical outlet. And what I discovered uh, over time was just a little time of flicker, just like, like a little thing like that. And that, that uh, little outlet would trip. And, and uh, then I noticed that the refrigerator wasn't running and I was able to catch it in time several times to save and salvage the goods inside. But I put a little mark in my mind, I need, to, I need to change that outlet, we need to repair that, we need to do something where that doesn't happen anymore. Uh, but you know, like things are, you get busy and that's, that's, a, that's a low uh, item in the, in the list. So I went out of town to the Ukraine, I was on a mission trip, and I was gone several weeks, and so I've been gone a few days, and my wife went out to the garage to empty the trash. We had a trash can in the garage. So she went out to empty the trash, and she knows this foul, foul smell. And she's like, oh my goodness, the next day it was even worse. And so she took the trash can outside and pulled the trash out and started cleaning out the trash can. She's, she's cleaning it all out, sudden it down, and getting it all cleaned, and put the trash back into the clean trash can, brought it back into the garage and aired out the garage, kept the door open for a while. And then she came out the next day and the smell was even worse than it was before. She's like, what is happening? She happened to walk by the refrigerator and she said, maybe it's the refrigerator. So she opened the fridge and blood started flowing out of the refrigerator because in the freezer, because we had had a lot of deer meat sto stored in the freezer. And it had all melted, uh, melted, uh, defrosted, and was coming out of the refrigerator, just blood flowing. She's like, oh my goodness. 
So she went and got a pail. She got some clean, and she's trying to get the refrigerator out to the garage. And, and she, we got blood all over the garage, blood all over the driveway. And she's doing her best trying to clean it all up. And a neighbor came by at that time and goes, hey, Melissa, I haven't seen JP for a while. Do you know where he's been? Ah, uh, he's out of town. He'll be out of town for a few days. She wasn't even thinking what he was thinking. He's like, are you sure he's out of town? <laughs> but we've all had areas where we've neglected in our souls and in our lives. And, and we just said, you know, I, I'm just going to replace that or deal with that at another time. And this message really is is designed to talk about that this morning. I'm going to read a passage. Before I read the passage, it's not going to, the passage really doesn't make sense if you just read it as it is. I have to give you a little background of the story. It was about one of the kings in Israel by the name of Ahab, and he'd come under attack by another country, and the leader, the king of that country, Ben-Hadad, had threatened him, was going to annihilate him, and had the power to do so and uh, gave him the ultimatum and gave him, you know, w w you know his demands. And Ahab said, look, we, we can't do that. We can't meet your demands. He goes, well, you know, then get ready, prepare to die. <laughs> and about that time, a prophet comes in and says to Ahab, listen, it's going to be okay. The Lord has sent me to tell you that he's going to fight your battles for you and um, just to trust him. And so sure enough, that's exactly what happened. And God fought the battle for Ahab and the Israelites. But unfortunately, after the battle had um, been engaged and Israel was just coming and winning so dramatically, um, they found Ben-Hadad, the king of the enemy, hiding in uh, this little like small room and they brought him out and there, Ahab had the opportunity to finally, for once and for all, vanish, vanquish the enemy from Israel's life, from their, because they had always been coming and attacking them. And, but instead, what Ahab did was he spared Ben-Hadad's life, and he said, I'm going to just make a peace treaty with you, you know, that we'll just all get along. And so Ben-Hadad said, yeah, I'll take the peace treaty, no doubt about it, and he let him go. Well, obviously, God was very angry with this because this was not what God had in mind. And in fact, it's not what God had told him. So we'll pick it up at this point. 1 Kings chapter 20, verse 35. By the word of the Lord, one of the company of the prophets said to his companion, his friend, he says, I want you to strike me with your weapon. In other words, I want you to, I want you to hurt me. I want you to hit me. I want you to wound me. Or can you imagine having a friend, a good friend, a friend that you've always, you know, hung out with and you had coffee with or done life with, went fishing with, walks up to you, comes to your house one day and goes, listen, I have a favor. What's that? I want you to hit me in the face as hard as you can. Just knock me out. Just hit me and keep hitting me until I'm knocked out. You'd be like... I can't do that. No, I know you're my friend. This prophet comes and says, by the word of the Lord, the Lord is telling you, telling me to tell you to wound me. And his friend goes, look, I, I, I can't do that. I'm sorry. And the prophet said, okay, I'm sorry, but because you have not obeyed what God is asking you to do, as soon as you leave me, a lion is going to kill you. And so as soon after the man went away, a lion found him and killed him. Wow. 
So the prophet finds another man. No doubt this man had heard what had happened to the last previous friend. And he comes to this new friend, this other friend, and says, strike me, please. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was that man, I would do exactly what this guy did. He struck the man and he wounded him. Listen, if, you, if that's what God is saying for me to do, I'm gonna, I'm gonna knock you out, baby. I'm gonna knock you out for God's sake. How many would love to be in that situation? Come on, somebody. I mean, Lord, please tell me to knock him out. And then the prophet went after he had been wounded and stood by the road waiting for the king and he disguised himself with a headband down over his eyes and he said to the king, as the king came by, this is what the Lord says. You have set a free man I had determined should die. Therefore it is your life for his life. Your people for his people. And so what we learn from this is this prophet had to be wounded before he could get the attention of those that he needed to get the attention to. That if he had just stood by the road, the king would have passed by, but because he saw the wounding of this man, the headband, the, the bleeding, the bruising, the, the whatever, the disfigurement of the face, he listened, he heard. And the, and the point we see, the lesson we learn from this is that, is that your, your wounds solidify the message that God has put in your heart. The prophet had nothing to say until he was wounded. And that God will use your wounding to give you a platform. And God will use your woundings to give you an authority in an area that you didn't have authority in before. And that God doesn't waste any kind of a wounding that ever comes into your life. But if you allow him to heal that wounding, if you allow him to come into that area bruising, into your, into your soul, that he will take that thing and put a word in your mouth and it will bring healing to the nations. Come on. That thing that you thought was gonna kill you, that thing that you thought you was not gonna make it through, that thing that you thought you were going under for the third time that would never come back to life, you think that you were out of the, out of the game, that wounding that was so deep, that was so hard, that was so treacherous, that thing that you've experienced, God's gonna use it and he's gonna give you a message and a word and a compassion and a, and, and, and a deep compassion in your heart for those that you see going through the same thing that you would never have before you've been wounded. Think about that. Just, just think about that. I, I, I love taking prayer walks on Saturday nights. I was walking last night and what a beautiful evening that was and I was walking down this street and came kind of to a dead end and towards this dead end of the street was this this, uh, this two-story house. And this two-story house still had good bones. It still had a roof on it. It still had paint on it. It, it still had a mowed grass, a mowed lawn. But as I began to notice this house, it was different from the other houses because you could tell that this house hadn't been taken care of. There was a couple shingles missing. It had a roof, but there was a couple shingles missing. The paint was on the side, but the paint was peeling and needed caulking. You could tell around the windows. You could tell by just looking through that there was no really lights on except one, and there's no cars in the driveway. 
And yes, even though the grass had been mowed, there was grass growing up through all the landscape, vines coming up now, growing onto the side of the house and up onto the roof. And, And it was a picture to me of what many of our lives really look like. Yeah, we have a roof. Yeah, we have a structure. Yes, we paint on the walls. But if you look really closely, closely into the soul, you'll see that it's just a shell of a person. Yeah, I'm in the fight. I, I'm, I'm still in the war, but, but I've been wounded. And, and I, I, I feel like there's nothing more for me to give. I, I, I can't pick up the sword like I used to. I, I can't swing it like the I'm still in the war. I'm still, I'm not dead yet, but I, I'm not effective anymore. I, something just happened. I, I feel like I'm in a mass unit. I'm sitting on a cot and I got a bandage on my head. I, I feel the throbbing and the aching and the pain and I'm still a soldier, but I don't feel like I have a fight left inside of me. There's been a wounding that has taken place in my soul and it has to be healed has to be healed. I want to talk about wounding this morning because we live in a fallen world and we've hurt people ourselves intentionally and unintentionally and we have been hurt by people intentionally and unintentionally. I want to talk about the wounds of our soul. We feel paralyzed and unable to move because there's a wounding that's taken place and it's easy to neglect these wounds. It's easy to just consider it normal to ignore the wounds. It's easy to just go throughout the life and not pay attention to the electrical plug that needs attention. It's just easy to put it to the side, but you cannot ignore the woundings forever. You've got to become healed of your wounds. Now we're gonna go deep this evening, this morning. I want you to put on your snorkel. I want you to put on your fins. I want you to take a deep breath. We're going down. And we will come back up. For just a moment, I want you to go deep with me. I wanna talk about woundings. Because I don't want you to lose the power that that wounding has the potential to bring to you. I don't want you to lose the authority that that wounding has the potential to bring to you. I don't want you to lose the platform to which that wounding has the potential to bring to you. How have you handled woundings in your life? Suppressed them? Ignored them? We don't talk about it, we just forget about it. Many times we don't know how to deal with it. Sometimes we're embarrassed. Other times we're ashamed. It's just too painful to revisit. And when people start asking questions, they start getting a little too close to home. We shut down, we walk out of the room, we, 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 we don't talk about it anymore. We, 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 we want people to believe that we had the perfect childhood. We want people to believe we've had the perfect marriage. We want people to believe that we've had the perfect children. But there's times in our life where we have to be honest with who we are and where we've been and the woundings that we've experienced. And we gotta step up to the plate and say, now, today, is a day to deal with my wounding. And so we're glad you're here this morning. Have you ever had an infected splinter in your thumb? I mean, it's, it's there and you really can't even see it, but it's down in there. And you've dug around and you've you said, man, I just, I, I cannot seem. And so you, well, I'll just go on. 
and it starts getting red. Come on. It starts becoming a little sensitive and even more sensitive. You keep ignoring it. And one day you're walking down the hall with your friend and you happen to bump your thumb onto something and you're just walking down the hall and all of a sudden you go, ah, ha, ha, ha. And your friend's like, what in the world is wrong with you? I just bumped my thumb on the table. Okay. That was a little dramatic, wasn't it? I mean, it's still attached. You act like it's like about being cut off. And I think sometimes we have disproportional reactions to things that should be absolutely a normal reaction. We, 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 we overreact to this or, or we, we get upset about something that seems to be a small little thing. We, we, we see, blow something way out of, of proportion and, and, and the other person's like, where did that come from? Oh, who are you? And what did I say that makes you respond this way? I know I'm not talking to nobody here, but I've had that experience. I was talking to a guy who was a Vietnam War veteran and they had been coming to our church and we wanted to get to know him. We got to know him a little bit better and better and better. And he's a great couple, wonderful couple, not here, it's another place. And he, he, he I just wanted you to know, because he's like, was that me? No. I, I, and he was, but he was very kind of mild and hard worker and loving, compassionate type of guy. And, and so we were at their house and they were, they were cooking uh, dinner and we were just kind of hanging out uh, in, in, the, in the living room. And uh, I saw these, you know, Vietnam whatever things. And I said, were you in the Vietnam War? He goes, yeah, I was. I said, what, what role did you play? And he told me. I said, man, you know, because I'm always intrigued by, you know, veterans and war veterans and wars and things like that in history. And I said, I've never really sat down and talked to someone that was in the forefront, on the front lines of the Vietnam War. And obviously you, you were. I said, would you mind just talking me through just like what a day was like, you know, in, the, you know, in, in, in Vietnam on, a, on the front lines like that? And this is mild quiet guy he said don't you ever ask me about Vietnam again I will not talk about it do you understand oh yes sir yes sir yeah yep I understand and I'm like whoa That was a disproportional reaction to a very calm question. That was, your reaction wasn't equal to the question being asked. So that reveals to me there's a wound in your soul. I didn't tell him this, but it it was an indication. It doesn't take him a, a scientist that there's something down in your soul that has not been healed. If someone can just ask you a simple question and you can blow up on them like this. 
And how many of you ever talked to someone and you just asked them a little question? What, hey, what, what was your, that, your, your husband like? What was that situation like? And they just go off on you and you're like, whoa. And you just run from them and you never go around them again. Well, the Lord was just kind of indicating to you that they have a wound and perhaps even God could use you to touch and bring healing to that wound. Yeah. We have splinters in our soul. Our souls have been wounded and they haven't been healed. And here's what happens when your soul isn't healed and you have this baggage you're still carrying from the past. Your decisions that you make from this point on won't be accurate decisions because you're not making them from the right frame of mind and the right healed heart. Your reactions won't be right. Your behaviors will be chaotic. Your relationships will tend to be damaged and your potential will not be reached. Oh, I'm talking to somebody this morning. You've been wounded and you've been hiding it and the Lord said you came up here with a cup of coffee up in this little house to sing a few songs and thought you'd have a nice little sermonette by a Christianette and God goes, oh no, no, I'm gonna deal with your wound this morning. Come on, somebody. We're going to deal with the wound. You in the jail as well. I'm talking to you. God's dealing with your wounds. And you're still in the situation you're in right now because you have not dealt with your wound. Those watching online, I'm talking to you as well. You're not escaping just because you're in your pajamas at home. Even if you forgive people, you can still be wounded. Just because you responded right still doesn't mean you're not wounded. I, if I come up and clubbed you up on the head with a baseball bat and you looked at me with tears in your eyes and said, I forgive you, you'll still have a knot on your head. There's still a wound that has taken place that has to be dealt with. The father or the mother who abandoned you as a child. You weren't grown up enough to to grieve the wound. You didn't understand what was going on. You just thought this was life. You, you, you have a dad one day, and next day you don't have a dad. And now you see dad every once in a while, and maybe you never see him again. And now you're moving from location to another location. Life seems to be hard, but, but that's what you do. You just deal with stuff. You're a child. You just kind of roll with the punches, and you simply coped, and you survived. And then you got older, and it suddenly occurred to you, you know what? I missed out. I didn't have a dad, or I didn't have a mother to nurture me. And you know what? I was deprived of of love, and I have been carrying around an abandonment wound all these years, and now I don't. Now I know why I just blow up and get angry at people when it seems like they disappoint me, or when it seems like they don't come through for me, or when things just go bad around the house and the washing machine breaks down, and my husband's out of town on a sales call, and I just get mad at everybody around me. Maybe it's because there's a wound that you haven't touched, and God wants to heal. Y'all like, how are you up in my house like this? Because we all deal with this stuff. So where do you have an ungrieved grief? That's the question the Lord's asking you this morning. Where do you have an ungrieved grief? Where is it in your soul that's been overlooked and unattended? And where is that place in your heart where you've had losses and where you've had disappointments 
and you've had hurts because sometimes it's just below the surface. Like trying to hold a, 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 a big beach ball under the water and you can only hold it under the water so long. Eventually, if you let go, that thing explodes through the top. And some of you have a wound that's just like a beach ball and it's about to explode through the surface of the water and God's coming to you today, knocking on your heart and saying this to you. And listen, you can write it down. It will take more of you to find more of God. It will take more of you to find more of God because you can't find more of God because you've, been lo you've lost yourself in this journey because your soul has not been taken care of, it's not been tended to. It's gonna take more of you, it's gonna take for you to be healed to find more of God. Some of you are like stuck in your relationship with God and you're wondering, is this all there is? Is, is there not more of God? How come I feel like I've just kind of plateaued? Well, maybe it's because you haven't allowed God to touch the areas of your life where he needs more of you so you can have more of him. There was a time in my life where I would weep and cry over the loss. I was in my mid-20s. If you showed me a map of the world, I would stand there and start crying. If you asked me to pray at any time, I would pray. I, should, I would be praying over the Thanksgiving meal and somehow would be praying for the missionaries over in Cambodia. I would be praying for the lost on the streets of New Orleans. I, I would just be broken over the hurting. And then at 28, I, start, I took in my first homeless person. Now, I'm not trying to categorize anybody. I'm just gonna tell you my experience. They come to the church, they've given their hearts to the Lord, got water baptized, and I brought him into my, I was a single guy, and so I had, an, I had a couch, and so I brought him, and he just became a part of my life. I would take him to church, to the office with me at the church, and he would work in the church during the day, and I'd take him home with me at night, and, and Jim Mason became my friend, and I became his uh, mentor, and I began to disciple him in the things of the Lord. The thing about Jim, what I learned was he was very lazy. <laughs> we would find him when I was ready to go home. I couldn't find him, and one day I found him. He had been sleeping in the closet during the day, the janitor's closet. He'd been asleep. He found him a little hole where no one could see him, and he'd been sleeping all this time during the day. I still took him with him and took me with him and still kept pouring into his heart. And then, then, then there was another guy that showed up a few weeks later and I brought him into my house as well. And, and he stayed with us a couple of weeks and then and he was doing good with loving the Lord and then he was gone. And then I brought in a third guy and, and, uh, and he, he stayed with us a couple of weeks and then he was gone because he, he, his girlfriend reached out to him and so he, he wanted to go get back with his girlfriend that was, who was also lost. And, and so he forsook God and just chased after her. And then, then I had a fourth guy come in and, and he was fresh out of jail and he was a con artist. This guy was a he was a, one of the best liars. I talked about him a few weeks ago. And man, he could lie and tell you a big old tale and you would think for sure it was the truth. And, and he had snowed me over. And, and uh, finally, when I, when I confronted him about his lying issues, he took off. And then I had a fifth guy who worked really hard and it lasted several months and he was 
just really uh, coming along with the Lord. And then, and then he, he, he found some, some drugs and he, got, he just left and walked away and got back in addiction. A sixth guy, he stayed for four months and he was really doing well. And then he, he also, his girlfriend came by the house. She gave him some drugs. I didn't know about it. He got hooked again. And, uh, and, and we ended up burying him a few months later after that because addiction had just taken his life. A sixth guy came, a seventh guy came, and he was a great fella, snuck out of the house, bought some liquor, came back to the house drunk. And uh, I said, listen, you can't stay here a drunk. You can't stay here bringing liquor. You can't be doing that. And so he left, ended up in jail a few months later. And in jail, I found that sometimes people in jail are the best lawyers that there are ever in the history of man. I got, I got hit with a lawsuit by this guy in jail. He's in jail and filed a lawsuit against me because he said I would made him work during the day against his um, privileges, against his wishes, even though I was providing a room and board for him. And then an eighth guy snuck out of the house. I came out to the house the next day to go to the office, and my car was gone. He was gone, my car was gone. I never got my car back. They finally found it 35 days later, totally ransacked and gutted. The ninth guy, he worked out, he worked hard. He was repentant, got saved, gave his heart to the Lord. I got him a job, he's really coming on. In fact, this is the, this guy, he, he, he was doing really well, and he said, man, I got I to gotta, I gotta go before the judge, and, and uh, I got to go to a court hearing, and uh, I'm, I'm going to be sent back to jail, uh, JP, unless you come with me. I go, well, you know, I, I believe in you, and I believe God's doing something, you're working hard, and I'll go with you. And so I went with him, I stood before the judge, the judge said, well, let's look and see what you, you got. And she, she takes this file folder, <laughs> And I'm standing there with him. I'm looking at that. I'm like, I didn't know about this. She goes, let's see what we've got here. And this is back in the days we had little dotted um, little holes in the, 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 the graph paper or whatever, you know, and it kind of folded over. And she started, started reading off all of his things that he'd done and been in trouble. And it just, her, the desk was up there, the judges, and it reached all the way down to the floor. And she still wasn't done reading off all this stuff. And I'm looking at him, and he's asking me to stand in the gap for him. I'm like, I don't think this is a smart idea. You know what I'm saying? I think I've just been hoodwinked, and, and, uh, but I couldn't back out. She goes, and you're going to stand in the gap? You say he's doing good? I said, yeah, he's doing good. She goes, and you're going you're gonna to make sure he stays the right path? I said, yes, ma'am. With a gun? You know? <laughs> I didn't say that. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And he did good. He did good. We got, we got him a job, and he started working, and he was doing really well. And then he got hurt on the job. Boy, I found out, if anything, but the enemy loves to hurt people that get, get back on their feet and start walking with the Lord. And so what they prescribed to him? Oh, pain pills. And what the pain pills do? Go into another pill, to another pill, to a bottle, to no more bottles. And then this guy started hallucinating, losing his mind. He left the, he left the house along with the first guy. Then one of the guys tried to burn down the house. We came back from doing an outreach with that. I had about 12 guys with me down at this time in the house and I had this guy leave. And so we were out in another outreach and we came back and smoke is coming billowing out of the windows. The door had been ripped off. 
We run inside. There had been a, a big um, a, um, toilet paper package. He put on the stove, turned the stove on, ripped the doors off, tore all the paintings off the walls, put the, to, flipped over all the furniture in the house uh, and ransacked everything, took a knife and cut the sofas. Uh, and was, the house was burning down. My, my friend, my, my other guy that was helping me, he, he sliced his tires on his van. And, and we run in, we rescue, we salvage the house. This was a brother that had been with us just a few weeks ago, loving on the Lord, praying together with us in the house. And one of the other guys came back after we had to kick him out because he went out and got drunk again and again, and we had to kick him out. And he comes back, and while we were away, he knew the hours we were there, and when we weren't there, he came back. I had a lock on my door of my bedroom, a padlock. He broke the padlock off and stole all of my clothing and my a watch and all my belongings. I, I had nothing. And after a while, I began to notice that my losses were mounting and were getting greater and greater, and I started losing. I found my compassion for the lost. I no longer looked at a map of the world and began to weep and cry for the lost. I, I no longer looked at the homeless person or the person on the street need another buck uh, and looked at them the same way I did before. And I was cynical now. I was de de degraded. I, I would look at him. i say, oh yeah, I know you're kind. Uh, oh yeah. And I began to find my heart became hard. Uh, I began to sense uh, that something was taking place in my soul that I didn't like. Uh, I despised it. I hated it. And I went back to the Lord and I said, oh God, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. My woundings have hurt so deeply. I don't love people like I used to love. Only God can heal the losses that you've sustained over time. It's like looking at a creek bank and you've been there over and over and over. But there was a torrential rain and after three or four days of torrential rain, you come back to the same creek bank and you find that the creek bank had carved out a whole sloth, a slew of ground, a good ground before and no longer did you have the soil that you had before. The, the bank had been eroded away because of the loss of the rain and the storm that had come through the days before. Our lives can be the same way when we look and we see that the ground that we've taken at one time is no longer the same. Our losses had taken parts of our soul away. We all have losses. We all have losses. My losses are no different than yours. You have a friend who lost his job. You love your friend, it hurts you. He's looking for another job. You're trying to help him find a job. You have another friend who has a son who tried to take his life. You feel pain for him. You have another friend die in a car wreck. You have a, an animal that you love you had to put to sleep. You have a friend who has some health issues and things are starting to mount up in their life and, and your heart goes out to them and you have another friend or a wife of a friend who, who, who won't have intimacy with her husband, your friend anymore because of the wounds she suffered as a child of abandonment and now because of her abuse and abandonment, she's brought it into the marriage and now he's suffering as well as she's suffering and he's talking to you about it and you feel something drain out of your soul because you love your friend, you love his, his, your friend's wife, you love all these other people and then you go to Walmart and you go, well, you know, I'll just go to Walmart 
Surely there's somebody there I can talk to about Jesus. And you find a clerk and you start talking about Jesus and they tell you, hey, you know what? I don't believe in God. I'm an atheist. Why are you an atheist? Because all you people are hypocrites to begin with. Uh, all that church is just a sham. Everybody just don't, they act one way and say another thing. I don't believe that anymore. And you walk away and your soul has been wounded another time. A neighbor calls the police because your dog's barking too loud. You go out to the car, you have a flat on your tire. You go and try to downsize a little bit and make a transition for your finances to be uh, to pan out. Uh, and now your transition is taking a little bit out of your soul. You're wounded a little bit more and your back starts hurting a little bit and you get a lump on your chest and suddenly things are going on and you're wound after wound after wound after wound. And if you don't pay attention to these things that are going on, anger will rise up inside of you and your soul will be broken to a hundred pieces and your heart will be aching for things just to be right in this world because they're not right in this world and you just feel like the sap is being sucked out of your life. And it takes sometimes years before you know the extent of your losses if you're not walking close with Jesus. It's like the person's house who burnt down. And you look and you go back to what was once the place where you raised your kids and all the memories you have with your spouse, and the Christmases and the Thanksgivings and the laughter. And all you see is just charred rubble. And you're in shock you walk around numb for a couple weeks. And over about three months, you start getting over things and you start moving on and things get a little bit better. And then you go to get that necklace that you love to wear and then all, um, oh yeah, that was taken away in the fire. A few days go by and you go looking for that document, that piece of paper that you need to make sure you get this approved and, oh yeah, I lost that in the fire. You go to show someone some pictures about uh, some of your children and, oh yeah, oh that, that was in the fire. It's like the wounding keeps coming back. It's like, it's like you can't run away from the thing that just sucked the air out of you. Am I talking to somebody this morning? We're just being real. And if your wound does not heal, it becomes dangerous. Your wounds can only go so long before it starts taking a toll on the rest of your body. Five reasons why wounds won't heal. Number one, for your note's sake. Poor circulation. Blood can't flow that's filled with the antibodies that you need to heal the wound. It can't get to the wound, which speaks to me of unforgiveness. A wound has to have forgiveness to heal. Number two, a wound won't heal because it's infected. And bacteria has gotten in or underneath the wound, which speaks to me of a lie that I have believed that I'll always have this wound. I'll never be healed. 
It's infected. It's always infected. It's always red. So pus is always running around and out of this thing. I'll never, ever be healed. Number three, edema. Fluid builds up in the skin, creates sores, blocking the flow of nutrients, speaking to me of an undeserving mindset. That I'm too broken. I'm, I don't deserve anything good to happen to me. Number four, protein malnutrition. You know your body needs three times more protein when there's a wound an open wound in your body than it does on a normal basis? What does that speak to me? It speaks to me of the lack of God's promises and the lack of God's presence taking place in your life. You quit going to the word of God and grabbing the promises that fit the situation that you're in. You quit worshiping the Lord and spending time in his presence. Uh, you quit, drop, you've dropped the promises. You've dropped your nutrients. You've dropped the protein. You need more worship than you've ever needed. You need more promises than you've ever needed in your life. Uh, and you've just kind of put it to the side. You don't read your Bible anymore. You don't listen to worship music anymore. You end up at the floor of Bama night after night after night uh, hanging out with the people that you ran from four years ago and now you're wondering how come you're dying? How come this infection set in your wound? You're dying of an open wound. And number five, repetitive trauma to this wound. You just, it tries to heal and you bump it again and you hit it again, you scratch it again, the scab comes off again, which speaks to me of living in the past. You keep reliving this thing over and over and over again. God heals you and then you go back and you want to get mad again. You want to get angry again. You want to go pick up this thing again that God has already healed you from. But there's two things that will heal a wound, which are very important. Number one is air. You just need air. You ever heard your mom, you had a wound? Just take the bandages off. It needs air. I was like, well, I don't know if it needs air or not. Oh, it needs air. Take that Band-Aid off. I'm not, I was visiting a guy in the hospital at home. He had been in the hospital. He had had a back surgery. And he was laying literally flat on the table in the living room of his house. And he'd had this major back surgery. I walked in. I just said, Jim, we'll just want to check in on you. How you doing? His wife meets me. She goes, oh, he's, he's doing better. Jim's like, hey, pastor, you want to see my wound? I said, no, no. And without, without even, you know, notice, his wife goes, look. She takes the bandages off, and I could see into his spine. I could see muscles. I'm like, he's like, isn't that cool, pastor? <laughs> I'm like, Jim, don't you ever do that to me again. I'm going to lay my hands on you and it will be a wounding like you've never had before. It needs air. It's beautiful to me that the Hebrew word for, for the spirit is, is air, a breath, a breath of air, the breath of the air of God. You have to expose the wounding to the Holy Spirit. You have to be honest and be real and say, God, here it is. Breathe upon this wound. <clears throat> and secondly, you know what you need? You need bleeding. 
Because the body, it's the body's way of cleansing the wound. This bleeding actually starts the process of healing. It's okay to bleed. It's okay to expose your soul to the Lord. So where do I start healing the wounds? And man, if you could come at this time, wherever you're at, where do I, wow, that was amazing. <laughs> I mean, that was cool. Like the Wizard of Oz, you know, the curtain. Where do I start healing these wounds? Number one, you have to begin to name your losses. Let's just be practical. You gotta write them down. Say it out loud. I started writing down my woundings from, I started at like age 25. I started naming my woundings. And I, I was like at 10, 11, 12, major wounds in my life that I, that were significant. Each one of them could have taken me out. I promise you. I love Jesus, serve the Lord, filled with the Holy Spirit, walking with my God, but was wounded in the process. And it very quickly, I could have turned that thing around and I could have walked away from God at any moment. And I had good reason to. I sat down with my wife just a few nights ago and I said, I'm gonna be talking about woundings. Let's talk about it. I said, in our marriage, can you name some woundings? And she named a lot of the ones I'd already named. And then she named a few that I'd forgotten. I'm like, I don't know if I want to do this with you anymore. <laughs> I had forgotten about that. those. That was rough. She goes, yeah, it was rough. Just write them down. I don't know what they are in your life. A business partner took advantage of you. Took you for a ride. Took a bunch of money from your account. Maybe ruined your business. Maybe ruined your reputation. Had a breakup with a girl, a breakup with a guy. It was ugly. It was more than complicated. It was past that. Loss of a spouse, a friend that lied about you, relocated to another living accommodations, took the breath out of you. A diagnosis, a child who won't talk to you a father who left you, a mother who wouldn't nurture you, an uncle who took advantage of you. You gotta name the wound. Write it down. Make a list. So why well, I, I don't have any wounds. Well, there you go. You got more than you know. What, what, when you watch a movie and it makes you cry, what is it that made you cry? When you listen to a song, what is it about that song that made, made your heart emotional? There's a wound attached to that, more than likely. Number two, once you name these wounds and your losses, you have to allow your soul 
just to feel. It's okay to feel the loss. It's okay to cry about it. It's okay to be angry. Take that trash can out in the garage and take it back and go for it. Come on, somebody. You gotta feel it. I, I, I hate it when I hear I see people, I, I don't wanna talk about this, it makes me cry. No, you need to talk. Well, I'm a man, real men don't cry. No, real men do cry. Fake men have a bunch of wounds that they try to act like they're not there. Sadness, the loneliness. There was a season in my life I was so lonely. Saturday nights would come around and I, did, I hated Saturday nights with a passion. I'd be so lonely, I was single, so lonely. One night I said, God, I can't take this anymore. You said you'd be closer than a brother and I don't feel it and I don't sense it. And I'm not leaving my apartment until I am healed of this lonely wound. And I prayed and I prayed for about two and a half hours and God came into that room. I can tell you where I was at, Hattiesburg, Mississippi. He came into that room and he touched my heart. And he said this to me. He said, maybe your wound's not for you. Maybe it's so you can realize what other people feel like. Why don't you take this wound that you're feeling and turn it into intercession and pray for others that feel as lonely as you feel right now? And I took after two and a half hours of praying for me, I started praying for others. And when I walked out of that apartment, can I tell you, I was healed and I was never lonely again. Never. Never felt that again. It was gone. It was a supernatural deliverance. You gotta feel. And number three, you have to invite Jesus in. Revelation 3.20, here I am, and I stand at the door and I'm knocking. If anyone hears my voice and opens that door, because the door opens from the inside only. If any man hears my voice and opens that door, I will come in and I will eat with that person and they will eat with me. You've got to let Jesus in the wound. You gotta let him in. You gotta let him in. <laughs> Isaiah 53 verse five. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed Jesus took the wound so I can be healed Thomas said I'm not going to follow Jesus unless 
I, I, I see, unless I see the wound. I, I'm not, I'm telling you, I'm not buying this thing. He came up from the dead and resurrected. I, I'm sorry, that's too much for me. I don't believe it. No one's ever done it. I'm not buying it. Jesus walks through the wall. Come on. Doesn't even come in the door. He just walks through the wall. Goes straight to Thomas. Thomas is like, Jesus reaches out his hand. Put your hand right there. What's that, Thomas? The scar. That's right. What's this, Thomas? Put your hand right here. Where that spear went to my side? What do you notice? I see a scar. He didn't see a wound, he saw a scar. You know why he saw a scar? Because Jesus healed the wound. The wound, God healed the wound of his son because if Jesus would have come and goes, there's still bleeding, there's bandages, no, that wouldn't have helped me at all. But Thomas saw a scar. He saw a healed wound. He saw something that was once something that could have taken him out, which did. And now it was totally a miracle. And now because Jesus was wounded, you and I now don't have to be wounded. We can walk out of our wound because he took the scar and the wound for me. Oh, come on. He took it for me. And he took it for you. And he took for all the wounds. Stand to your feet. Come on. He took all of our wounds. Took them to the cross. Came out of the grave. Walked around healed. Every time you have a wound, you got to bring Jesus into the wound and say, God, I'm not going to make it out of this if you don't come in. Oh, Jesus, this is too big for me. Jesus, the pain's too great for me. I need you, oh, Jesus, to come into my wound. And he will come. He will come. He will come tomorrow. He will come next week. He'll come next month. He'll come in five minutes from now. He comes to bring healing to your wounds. There's people here in this room, this morning you've been wounded. You've been hurt. You've been bruised. You made up your minds. Well, this is the way it's gonna be, no. I want our prayer teams to come stand here at the front if you don't mind. I believe today, God just wants to minister to wounds. I know some of the wounds I've been through, I just didn't know how to pray through and I went to somebody, grabbed them in the church, I said, would you just pray for me? This wound's pretty deep. And they prayed for me. And through that prayer, Jesus came in and I was healed. Some of you just need to invite Jesus into your heart. It starts there. Just invite him into your heart. Some of us, when, when we came into our existence and purpose, we were like a little baby grand piano, shiny, reflecting off the lights, reflecting off of it. Sounds beautiful, ivory keys. Such music came out of your, your life. But over time, one, one wound after another, 
the varnish got faded. The luster of the wood no longer reflects the light above. A cord string broken here, out of tune cord there, stuck key here, stuck key there. Over a period of time, God's trying to play a beautiful song through your life and all he has is two little chords, two little keys. Clunk, 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 clunk. That's it. But if you let Jesus take your little piano home, he'll restore it. And it'll sound like that piano never sounded before. Why don't you bow your heads with me? Close your eyes. Heavenly Father, we present to you our lives. We've been wounded. We've been cut. We've been hurt. Oh, Jesus. But God, we believe with all of our heart that you heal our wounds. So I pray that you'll give my brothers and my sisters the courage to go back and to make the list of the wounds. They will feel again the pain of that wound. And yeah, they know Jesus. Yeah, they've, they've made you their Lord, but Lord, the wound sometimes takes time to heal. So I ask, Lord, that you give them the courage to invite you in to that wound. That we may be a people in this community that are whole and healed and made new. We thank you, Father, for hearing our prayers and doing what we've asked. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.